to another episode of the last things podcast where we are on a journey to truth it is indeed an honor and a privilege to sit before you again i am so sorry guys i couldn't upload last weekend i had a couple of hardware issues but thankfully we were able to get things resolved so we now back on track and uh we're going to do something special tonight we did this once before, we're gonna do it again. Since I missed out, I didn't upload any new content last week. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you two episodes tonight. So not only will you get one, we're gonna do a second one as well to make up for last week. So uh, thank y'all for coming in and joining me. Guys, we just gonna sit down. We just gonna talk about the good. We just gonna talk about the Bible. Last week, uh, week before last, I'm sorry, we left off on Revelation chapter, we are on Revelation chapter two, and we are talking about the seven churches. The last um, episode we did, we talked about the church in Ephesus. We talked about the uh, backsliding church. So now we are, <coughs> excuse me. So now we are on the second of the seven churches. We are on uh, Smyrna. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, because it's only four scriptures, I believe. So what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the four scriptures. And then what we'll do is we will go back and um, we'll go back and break down each individual scripture from there. Okay. So, excuse me. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter two, verse eight. And uh, of course, I will be reading this from the New Living Translation, so my translation is going to be a little different. This is what it says here. The message to the church in Smyrna. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. First and foremost, I want you guys to really pay attention to something. If you look at the messages to the seven churches, they're all written in red. So when you have your Bible, we all know what that means. When we see a scripture written in red, what does that mean? That means this is coming from God. This is coming from the mouth of Christ. This is Jesus himself speaking. So we need to really pay attention to that. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking. So here he is again. Now he's addressing who? He's addressing Smyrna. So let's, let's read. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and last who died and is alive. <coughs> Excuse me. This is what, what he says. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are wit rich. I know the slander of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they really aren't because there is a synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison and put you to the test. You will be persecuted for 10 days. Remain faithful even when facing death, and I will give you the crown of life. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the spirit and understand what the spirit is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be hurt by the second death. All right, guys. So that's really, of course, as you see, he was shortened to the point. There's no middle ground. There's no in between. There's no way of not understanding what he's saying. He was short, precise, and to the point. He addressed that church in four verses. So Jesus wasn't playing. So let's, um, 
let's start breaking it down uh, scripture by scripture. Let's look at the first thing. Write this, look at verse eight. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Now, Smyrna is the Greek word for myrrh. And myrrh is a substance that they used to uh, make cup, uh, perfume. But in order for this substance to be used in perfume, it had to be crushed. You had to crush this substance in order for it to, uh, to, to be used when it comes to making perfume. So that perfectly describes describes the church in Smyrna because that's what they were going through. They were going through persecution. This They were going through persecution unlike any, anything the church had ever been through before. So that now here's a couple of key factors about Smyrna. The city now is surrounded by what is known today as Izmir, I-Z-M-I-R. The city of Izmir surrounds what's left of Smyrna. Now, here's some key factors about myrrh that's in the Bible. There's a couple, but I pulled out three. One, one factor is myrrh is one of the gifts that the wise men bought to, uh, to see, bought when Jesus was born. It was one of the gifts that they bought, bought to, bought to the, uh, to Mary and Joseph. The second thing, Jesus was offered myrrh at his crucifixion. It was mixed in with wine. And that was what they were trying to give him to drink. The third fact is Nicodemus and Joseph bought a hundred pound mixture of myrrh and aloe to wrap Jesus's body after the crucifixion. That's in John chapter 19, verse 38 through 40. Those are just a couple of key factors about myrrh that was in the Bible. That's in the Bible. There's others, but those are just um, the three that I pulled out, okay? So let's look at verse eight. Let's, let's break this thing down. We already looking at verse eight, I'm sorry. The introduction is almost, is almost identical to the introduction that he gave himself in, that was given in Revelation chapter one. If we look at Revelation chapter one, this is what he said. He said, the first we are, if we look at verse five, it says here, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the com commander of all the rulers of the world. And now if we look at him, what does he say? Who is the first and the last who died and is alive? The introductions are very similar that he's giving. He's he told John and he's he said, John said it, and now he's telling the church in Smyrna. Basically, he's confirming what John is saying. He said, I am the first and the last. What did he say in, uh, in verse one? He said, I am in, in chapter one, I'm sorry. He said, I am Alpha and I am Omega. Jesus said, I'm the first and I'm the last. I was once dead, but now I've risen. So let's keep going. This is what he said. <clears throat> I know about your suffering and your poverty. Now, Hebrews 4 and 15 says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every aspect as we are, 
yet without committing any sin. Jesus said, I know what you're going through. He said, I know you're suffering. Just as the Bible said, we don't have a high priest who hasn't been touched with our infirmity. Jesus said, I know what you're going through. He said, because I faced that same sin. I've been every temptation that you have faced, every kind of suffering that you have gone through. Christ said, I've been, the word says, he's been through it himself. But despite everything that he went through, what did the Bible say? He did not fall into sin. And that's the expectation that he has of us. That's why the Bible says we don't have a high priest. Jesus is our high priest. So we're struggling in areas of our flesh and areas. We, it's up to us to go to Christ and say, Lord, you got to help me. You've been through what I, you, you, you've experienced what I'm experiencing. You've gone through what, I, what I'm going through now. So I need you to help me in this area. Help me to grow in this. Help me to control myself in this area. And Jesus said, I've been through it. Just I've been through it. Come, that's why he said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. He said, bring it, bring it to me. And let me fix it. Some things we try to fix ourselves. And God says, no, it's not for you to fix. Superman can't save everybody. You can't save everybody. You can't do everything. That's, that's why God is here. God is saying, come to me. Let me fix that thing. Let me fix this. Let me take care of this. Because some things are just, just not in your power to do. Okay. Amen. So I don't know why I said that. Maybe that's for somebody. I don't know. So let's keep going. Verse nine, let's look at verse nine. Well, I'm sorry, we all looking at verse nine. It says, I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the slander of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they really aren't because theirs is a synagogue of Satan. Now, look at what he says. He said, but you are rich. Now, he said, he said he knew about their suffering and their poverty, but you are rich. Now, how can you, now here's the thing. If there's poverty going on, then how can Jesus say they're rich? But if there's poverty in the land, because poverty, let, let, let's look at definition. I pulled this up, poverty. The definition of poverty is the state of not having enough material, possessions or income for a person's basic needs. Now, so if they're, if they are lacking in their basic needs, but how can Jesus say that they're rich? Let's look at, let's, um, let's look at Matthew chapter six, verse 19 through 21. I want to show you something in the Bible. I want to show you something. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says this. You ready? Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty, and where they will be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Jesus said they were rich because they were storing up their treasures in heaven, meaning they didn't care. They, mean, you know, uh, Paul said this, I'm learned to be content in no matter what situation I'm in. 
no matter where I am, I am content with where I am. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't face me at all. That's what they were. That's that was that's that's what that is what they was going on with them. Jesus said, "You're rich because you're not storing up no treasures here on earth. They're not worried about money or possessions or things of that nature. They're worried about making. They're worried about making sure that their salvation is secure. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew six and thirty-three. He said, "Seek ye the kingdom, and all these things. Seek ye the kingdom first, and all these things shall be added unto you." See, a lot of times we spend more time going after the material things. We spend more time going after the money, the cars. You know, if you're single, you spend more time chasing the women, the, the power, the prestige, the recognition. We spend more time chasing after those things. But Jesus said, if you seek the kingdom, all the things that you chase after will be added unto you. So if you chase after money, Jesus says, seek the kingdom and it'll be added unto you. Now, let's be real. If you chase after money, if you if you're trying to become rich, there's nothing wrong with being rich. But let's 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 be real about this. There's no guarantee that Christ is going to make you rich. Let's just say that right now. There's no guarantee of that. But he said if you if you if you're lacking in finance, he said seek the kingdom and I'll add that to you. If your health is on the line, seek the kingdom and I'll add it unto you. If you need a car, he says, seek the kingdom. Do you understand the point that I'm getting? You chase, sometimes we chase after the wrong things. And Jesus say, you worried about the wrong thing. Seek the kingdom of God first. And everything that you want will be added unto you. He said, keep God first above all things. Keep him first. And everything else that you, 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 you spending more time Worrying about this, 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 and that, wanting this, wanting that. And God is saying, hey, if you seek the kingdom first, if you seek the kingdom, all the things that you that you want, because the Bible says he's he's he can do exceedingly abundantly and above all that we could ever ask or hope. So your little peon mind wants one thing, and Jesus and God is sitting back saying, if you seek the kingdom first, that little thing that you want. You know, one of my expertise is taking a little and stretching it to make it enough. Did not Jesus take two fish and five loaves of bread to feed 5,000? So God has a knack for taking something small and expanding it. And when he expands it, there's enough, there's more than enough for every, for, to take care of everything. So God is saying, just seek my kingdom first. Seek the kingdom. And everything else that you're looking for, everything that you're seeking, I'll give you that stuff. I'm not worried. That stuff is, that's, I can give you that stuff. That's no problem. I need you to keep me first. Keep me first above everything else. And I'll take care of the rest, okay? So let's keep going. <clears throat> now let's look at, let's go back to verse 8. Let's go back. Now, I skipped over this part. <clears throat> well, the King James says suffering is tribulation. So we pretty much covered that part. So let's look at verse 9, verse 10. I'm sorry. <clears throat> verse 10 says this. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
<clears throat> verse 10 says this, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison and put you to the test. You will be persecuted for 10 days. Remain faithful even when facing death. Now, we're not going to read the rest of it. We're going to stop right there for a minute. Look at what he said. He said, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. He told this church, he told them, he said, y'all need to get ready because what's coming, you are about to endure some hard times. Remember what I said about the seven, about the seven churches, one of the uh, reasons for Jesus picking the seven churches is because they show a history of the church, right? So in essence, he's telling the whole church. In essence, even though he wrote this letter to Smyrna, he really gave, he really gave this message to the entire church. And he told them, you will be you will be, some of you will be put into prison and put you to the, the devil. Oh, I'm sorry. The devil will throw some of you into prison and put you to the test. You will be persecuted for 10 days. Now, the Bible, now, when you read that, we take it figuratively like, okay, we're going to persecute it for 10 days. So on the 10th day, we're going to be set free. But you know, God's time and our time are two different times. You know, the Bible said day is like a thousand years into, unto him. So whereas Jesus is saying, you're going to be persecuted for 10 days. That's his time. But our time, 10 days does not mean 10 days. 10 days can mean 10 years. 10 days can mean 10,000 years. So do you see the time? His time and our time are two different times. They don't, they don't, they don't match up. So when he says 10 days, it's 10 days for him. But for us, it could be 10 years. I, I want to look at something. This is a, I, I was doing some research on this, so I, I'm not going to really go into depth, deep, deep detail, but I'm going to um, go over one part. This is the research that I found. There are 10 periods of persecution that I, that I found. Now, the first one would be Nero. The set, we're going to go through just the name, just the names. I'm gonna, this is this. This will be homework. I'm going to give you the names. And what you do is type, go to Google, type in their name and type in persecute Christians and just see some of the things that they did. Uh, the first one is Nero. The second one is Damatan. I think I'm saying that right. If I'm not, please forgive me. The second, the third is Trajan. Trajan. I'm sorry. The fourth one is Marcus Aurelius. The fifth one is Severus. The sixth one is Maximinius. The seventh is Decius. The eighth is Valerian. The ninth is Aurelian. And the tenth one is what I need. The tenth one is Diocletian. I, I believe I'm saying that right. Guys, you know, I ain't perfect. So if I'm probably butchering some of these names. Y'all, please forgive me. But that tenth one is what I need. Now, that tenth one, Diocletian, I think that's his name. I think I can't pronounce it right. Let me spell it D I O C L E T I A N. 
Now that persecution lasted 10 years. Could this be the persecution that Jesus was speaking of? Mm, it could possibly be, but then there's a bunch of other ones as well. This one just happens to be the worst of all of it. This one is considered, is, is considered the largest and the bloodiest ones of all. Now, Now, you know, a lot of people will say, like, you know, we see the church being persecuted. We'll see some of the things that they did. We'll, we go back, like I said, go back and research these names and just research some of the things that they did. But that last one, that last one was the worst of all. Just for some of the things they had, there was a lot of beheadings going on during that time. I mean, just, it was... It was brutal, but go back and research some of the name, those names that I gave you. Go back and look them up on Google. But you know, we have this thing where we think, when we, when we see those things, we think the church, you see the church being persecuted, excuse me, and we say the church doesn't go through that. Excuse me. And over here in the United States, yes, the church isn't persecuted like that. But if you go over to these other countries, however, some of these things are going on right now in the other parts of the world. It's not going on over here, but over there on the other side, it's going on. It, look, let me give you some examples that I found. Let me give you some examples that I found. Here's one example is Iran. Here's one example in Iran. If they attempt to convert someone who was not born into a Christian family, to Christianity, they can go to jail. Additionally, if a Muslim in Iran attempts to convert to Christianity, that person can face jail time or even be killed. That's in Iran. Now, Syria and Yemen, Yemen, I'm sorry, face immense persecution with many being beheaded in public. Some other ones are Somalia, Pakistan, in Nigeria, they have terrorist groups that have kidnapped, murdered, and brutalized many Christians. You know, we have a lot of freedoms over here. We can practice the word of God. We can re research the scriptures and we can, we can profess who Christ is. And we don't, and we're fine. But over on the other side of the globe, those people, they confess who Jesus is, and it could very, and they confess that the Lord is their Savior, and it could very well cost them their life. But they'll pay that price because they know at the at the end, my salvation is secure. We take things for granted. We take some things for granted until it's gone. I'm gonna give you an example of what I mean. Earlier this earlier last week, um, the water was turned off at our house in our in the neighborhood. Uh, they were working on the water. So at night, you know, normally I come home by 10 o'clock at night and I take a shower. So when I came home this night, the water was off. So guess what? I couldn't take a shower. I was dirty and filthy from work all day and I couldn't come home and take that shower. Man, I got up, we got up the next morning and the water still had not been turned on. So they were call a lot of people in the neighborhood were calling, including us, called the uh, the mud district to let them know, hey, y'all say y'all gonna work on the water, but why is our water off? 
So they turn the water back. So they end up turning the water back on. I said by like 7.30, Y'all, I think I stayed in that shower 10 to 15 minutes taking a shower. I think I took two showers in that 15, in that 10 to 15 minute span. Why? Because I was dirty. But this is what I'm saying. You don't miss a good thing until it's gone. I took shower. I, I'm not gonna say I took it for granted, but when I came home, but man, when that water came back on, oh Lord, man, whew, I was so glad that water came back on. I said, oh man, I oh that that kind of taught me, boy. When you get your behind home, you better jump your behind in that tub in that shower and jump in there quickly instead of waiting a couple of instead of lagging around what you do. But I'm just using that example, and sometimes we take things for granted. We take our freedoms for granted. We have the freedom to practice Christianity here, and it doesn't cost us our lives. But over, over in the other side of the globe, it's costing people their lives. Some of the, some of the things, the persecutions that we see or read about here in the Bible, it's going on overseas. Just because it's not happening here does not mean it's still happening. Somebody told me a long time, the church isn't being persecuted. Not over here. It's not being persecuted. But you go over there in them other countries, and it is persecuted. So let's keep going. Let's look at this, and, and we're all, we almost do. He said, "I will give you the crown." We're reading the rest of verse ten. Remain faithful even when facing death, and I will give you what the crown of life. Now, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but you know there are. Five crowns. First of all, in the Greek, there are two crowns. There, there's two crowns in Greek. There are diadems, diadems, and Stephanos. Diadems are a crown of authority. Stephanos is a crown of victory. These crown, there are five different crowns in the Bible, five different ones. The crown of life just happens to be one. Let's look at this. Look at James 1 and 2. James chapter 1, verse 12. I'm sorry. He says this. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Does that now sound like what Samaria is going through? What did Jesus say? He said, the devil will throw some of you in, into prison. And what puts you to the test? Doesn't that sound like what, that's, that's exact. James is just saying what, what Jesus told Smyrna. He said to endure testing. James says this. He said he blesses those who patiently endure testing and what? Temptation. This is James chapter one, verse 12. And, the, and here's the rest of it. Afterward, they will receive what? The crown of life that God, that God has promised to those who love him. That's the crown that Jesus is talking about. James is talking, James talked about that, the crown of life. Now, there are four other crowns to go along with that crown. So it is very possible that you could be walking around in the kingdom, in heaven, when this life is over, and you could have four or five crowns walking around with a crown. Some people will be like, man, I'm just glad to be here. Hey, hey, long as you make it to that other side, that, that is, that's cool. But some people will be walking around with crowns, of vic victor's crowns, 
of the battles that they've won. And Christ rewards them with a crown. Here are the other four crowns. And I'm going to give you the scriptures that you can go back and look over. We talked about the crown of life, James 1 and 12. Now, here's another crown. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And now the prize that awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's the crown of righteousness. Here's a third. First Peter chapter five, verse two through four. Care for the flock that God has entrusted you entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord over, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Here we go. You ready? And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a what? Crown of never ending glory and honor. This is the crown of glory. That is, that is the third crown, right? Now, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 through 20. It says this, after all, what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. This crown is called the crown of rejoicing. And now we're going to get to our last crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. I'm going to read this one in the King James. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that strive for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. <clears throat> but what if, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight. I not as one that beat that beateth the air, but I will keep, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, least lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should not be a castaway. This is the what incorruptible crown. That is four, I'm sorry, that is four, five crowns, five crowns that a person can have, five different crowns. The crown of life is just one. Now, let's look at verse 11. Here we go, we're at the end. It shifts now. He was talking to the church. Now, look what he says. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the spirit and understand what the spirit is saying to the churches. This is what he's saying. Now he shifts. He was talking to the church. Now he shifts, right? What, what did I say? One of the things for discussing the seven churches, what was one of the reasons he picked these churches is because you can find yourself in each one. Now he's speaking to one, to his people who are being persecuted. There's a difference between, there's a different part, uh, not being persecuted. When he says being persecuted, he means persecuted for righteousness sake, 
being persecuted because of who you believe, because of his, because of your salvation, because who you trust, who your Lord is. That's the persecution that he's saying. That's the people he, that's, that's the persecution he's talking about. And he's telling, and he's telling everyone, for those of you who are being persecuted, I know what you're going through. And I understand, I know what you're going through. But if there are some of you who are looking at this, who are facing persecution now, Jesus is saying, but you're going to have to be ready for what's coming. What you're going through now might be, it's, it's hard, but Jesus is saying, but what's coming down the road is going to be harder than what you're facing right now. But he said, no matter what, what did he tell the church? I'm paraphrasing, no matter what, hold on. Hold on to what you hold on to what you know. Hold on. Don't turn. Don't turn your back on the faith. Keep pushing forward. And I'll reward you when it's all said and done. Even though it may cost you your life. It may not be, it could be, it could mean cost you your physical life. And it could also mean it may cost you something else. It might cost you your job. It might cost you friends. It might cost you relationships. Walking, walking with Christ is a, I, I heard old people say this, it's a suffering way. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something to make this walk. It's not an easy walk. But he said in the end, it's going to be worth it. And look at what he says here. And we're going to end it right here. He said, whoever is victorious will not be hurt by the second death. Hmm. What does Jesus mean? The second death, the second death. What is that? You know, not only Jesus is saying you can die twice. Absolutely. You can. There's a second death. If you want to know what the second death is. If you want to know what the second death is. Let's turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 through 15. And we're going to wrap this thing up. And this is what it says here. And death and hell were cast where? Into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What you say? So the Bible says this, the lake of fire is the second death. And he said this here, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you're going to experience that second death. Not only, you can be born twice, born physically, and then a spiritual rebirth when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And you can die twice, a physical death and what? A spiritual death. Because when you're thrown, when, oh man, oh, I, 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 this is what Matthew 10 and 28, this is what he says. This is Jesus talking, okay, of course. He said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy what? Both soul and body. God, Jesus said, man can destroy body. But God can destroy body and soul. This is, a, this is a saying that I found and I wrote it down. 
If we are born once, we die twice. But if we are born twice, we die once. This is, that is so, that's why you have to make sure your salvation is secure. Because Jesus here is saying, if your name is not written in that Lamb's book of life, when you stand before God, you're going to die again. And after this, and this death, that's it for you. The lake of fire is not, is, is meant for Satan and his angels. And Jesus is saying, you're going to be thrown right in that lake as well. But if you accept him, if you, if your salvation is secure, if your name is written in that lamb's book of life, Jesus said, you're only going to die once, a physical death. There will not be a spiritual death. You'll spend it. You will have eternal life with me. That's why it's so important, guys, to make sure your, your salvation is secure. Guys, that is the lesson for Smyrna. I know this one was a little bit long. I know I threw a little extra into it, but I want you guys to really get the grasp of what's going on with this church. This is a persecuted church. And like I said, each message not only deals with the church as a whole, but it deals with the individual person. So for somebody who's out there who's facing persecution, whether it be from your family, whether it be from your job, it could be even from your pastor, it could be from anybody. Jesus is telling you this is what to expect when you're being persecuted for righteousness sake. Because there's going to come a time in everybody's life when we're going to have to make a stand for God no matter what it costs us. We're going to have to make one. You know, one day I was at my job at AIG and I had, I had, I was working at AIG at the time. And um, I went in to interview for a higher position because I was working in the mailroom and I would interview for a higher position. And you know what the supervisor told me, the supervisor at the time told me, because it was, I was interviewing with two people. They said, um, if we don't hire you, what, how would you feel? Or something along those lines. You know what I told him? I say, I'm not worried. I say, because my faith is in Christ. Whatever, if he doesn't, if he doesn't open this door for me, I'm fine. Because guess what? Life is going to still, because life's going to still go on. I'm going to be all right. He's my supplier. If I don't get this position, that's fine. Something else will come along. Of course, I had no idea, uh, Something else did come along. I just had no idea where, where it was at. Of course, everybody knows where, where it is. It was a you know, UPS full-time. But that's what I told him. But you know, I went back and told my coworker what I said. He said, man, that's a level of faith. He said, that's, that's a level of faith to make that kind of statement to people who necessarily don't believe the same thing you believe. That's the kind of faith, that's the kind of stand that in the end, in the end times, we're going to have to make. We'll have to make those types of stands where we're going to stand for the kingdom no matter what it costs us. Because at the end of the day, he shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Guys, this is, this is heavy, very heavy. Well, guys, as I said, that's it for the lesson on Smyrna. On, on Smyrna. Man, this was a... Ooh, 
a long lesson, a very long one, long than I had anticipated. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer salvation to you. If you, if you want to be sure your salvation is secure, bow your heads with me, close your eyes, and just simply repeat after me. Lord, Father, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you, and that you now sit at the right hand of God. Lord Jesus, Come into my heart. Make me, shape me, and mold me into the person that you call, that you want me to be. I lay down my, my life is now in your hands. Do with me as you wish. In the mighty name of Lord Jesus, I pray. And thank you. Amen. Guys, if you pray that prayer, we are going to believe that your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And now you have been born twice. And because you have been born twice, you will not experience the second death. Your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And now your eternity is secure. If you were to die in the next 30 seconds, we believe and we know for a fact, Jesus said, you're going to spend eternity with me. Just like he told that thief on the cross. He said, this day, you'll spend the rest of eternity with me. We're believing that that will happen. We also, excuse me, we also believe that if the rapture was to take place right now in the next 30 seconds, we believe that you will be one of the ones who will be raptured up with Christ, raptured up with everyone else. Guys, I love you. Thank you guys for being patient with me as I um, got my hardware back up and going. I will see you guys again. This is part one of our very special two episode, um, two episodes of the Last Things podcast. Our next episode is going to be Pergamus. That is the. Mm, I can't think of it. What we call that church? The what do we call Pergamos? The Compromising Church. That's the name of that one. You, you know, to see the names of these. Ephesus was the backsliding church. Smyrna was the persecuted church. So now we're coming up with Pergamos, the Compromising Church. We're gonna discuss that on next episode. I love you guys. Have a blessed one, and I see you. In the, and I see you in the next episode.